Well, today uh, we're continuing in a series we started last week called The Spirit of Jesus. And it's a, really a message series, a teaching series about the Holy Spirit. And um, we believe that the Word of God is not just something to be taught and memorized and known intellectually, but it is something to, meant to be lived. It is meant to be experienced. And uh, the same is true of the Lord Himself. And I feel, as Ruth was praying and talking, I felt like the Lord was saying, tell them, Aaron, I'm a person. Tell them who I am. You know my heart. And so often when we read scripture, even if you come to faith when you're like 40, 50 years old, later in life, we tend to approach scripture like a child when we're first born again. And we see the list of do's and don'ts. And we go, this is the rule of life, and I need to read this book to know how to live. And we can get in these grooves of just reading the list and trying to live according to the guidebook, but we forget that the guidebook speaks of a very real person. And the person wants to be known. He wants to be experienced. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to know his voice. And that's the person of the Holy Spirit. And God has a heart. He has feelings. He grieves. He gets angry. And I'm just going to tell you right now. How many, let me ask you, how many of you parents out here, how many of you, your kids have done something and you got upset with them? I see some kids getting nervous in the room. I see kids like, oh, shoot, how does he know what I did yesterday? No. You got upset with them. Your kids do something and your heart grieves. Do you still love them? Oh, that's why. That's why you got upset. That's why your heart grieved. It's because you love them so much. When you watch other people's kids acting a fool in Kroger, you're just like, hmm. you're not upset. You're like, I can't wait to get out of here. You're not grieving. You're not upset. Why? You don't love those kids, right? We, you love them as a as a human, but you don't, they're not yours. And I'm here to tell you today, the Lord is a person, and you can be saved, you can be his, and you can be on your way to heaven. And you can do things that grieve his heart, and you can do things that make him upset. And you're still going to heaven. You can also do things that make him really happy. You can also do things that just make him go, oh, I'm so proud of you. That's the favor of God, the smile of God. And when you realize he's a person and that's how it is, it's a very real relationship. You start wanting to not just live for the rules, to see what you can get by with. You start wanting to live for the relationship, seeking his face. To make him smile. And that, especially in our culture, modern Western American culture, we're born and raised. You, you, you heard the illustration before probably about you stick a frog in boiling water. And if it's already boiling, you drop it in, it jumps right out. But if you stick the frog in and then you slowly turn up the heat, it, it's skin and its body temperature adjusts and it won't jump out and you will you can boil the frog right i'm here to tell you 
the, the water that we were born into <sighs> is secular humanism. It's atheism. Um, there were these two goldfish swimming along one day. Young, punk, kid goldfish. They're swimming along. They passed this older, grizzled veteran goldfish. And the older, grizzled veteran goldfish goes, Hey, fellas, how's the water? He just keeps on swimming. And they, they didn't say anything. They didn't know what to say. They were just kind of, mm. They just kept swimming. Once they get out of earshot of, of the goldfish, One looks at the other, these punk kid goldfish, and he says, what the heck is water? (laughs) See, when you're raised in something, you don't even know it's there, you just accept it. And I'm telling you, the secular humanism, the atheism, that is the culture, the unspoken cultural norms that we are raised in, they influence and affect how we read the scriptures, how we experience God. And so sometimes we have to undo our human learning. Our uh, Sometimes we have to undo what we're taught in order to see what's really there for what it is. And I'm telling you, the Lord is a person. He's very real. The Holy Spirit is never referenced in Scripture as an impersonal force of power. There is the power of the Holy Spirit, much like there's the power of God. But that's one aspect of his nature. The Holy Spirit is a person. So who is he? He's Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus. That's what this series is about. Last week, Acts 16, verse 7, it says, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The Spirit of Jesus. And I had a revelation on that years ago. I talked about last week that the Lord showed me. You want to know who the Holy Spirit is? It's, he's the, he is the Spirit of Jesus, which means, and I talked about this last week. If you missed last week's message, I highly encourage you to go listen to it. I highly encourage you to go listen to it. I talked about the phases of my life and how if you knew me as a kid, you probably wouldn't recognize me if you hadn't seen me since then. Same me, same person, different phases of life and how God has revealed himself through history has looked different. To Abraham, he was just a voice. To, to Moses, he was in the fire cloud, pillar of cloud and fire. That was, his, that was the physical manifestation of his presence. To the, to the people of Israel, Moses, up through John the Baptist, he was a system of religion. Rules and regulations, sacrifices, going to the temple. That's how you experienced God's presence. That's what God looked like. That's what God felt like. Then Jesus shows up on the scene in the flesh. The word became flesh. It made his dwelling among us. Isn't that amazing? And so many believers today think the word became flesh and then he went back to the word. And now he's just the word. And that's all he is. And read the word. And that's all you can ever know of God. And the word is living and active. The word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. But Jesus is the word made flesh, poured out in spirit. And he shows up today in our day and age. The phase of life he's in is the Holy Spirit. And he showed up on Pentecost. And go read the book of Acts and look how much it says the Holy Spirit said to them. The Holy Spirit told them to do this. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go into a certain region. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. 
I, I read a popular Bible teacher who doesn't believe the Holy Spirit still speaks in a, in a very supernatural way to believers today. Like he believes that he only speaks through the word of God, which he does very often, of course. Um, it's, his, it's his favorite book. He wrote it. <laughs> and so, uh, but he said uh, that you can't know if it's the Holy Spirit. You can't know if an experience is the Holy Spirit or not. And I'm like, well, that goes against what the book of Acts says. They said the Holy Spirit told us. The Holy Spirit did this. The Holy Spirit gave them a dream. The Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for me. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And they recognized this is the Spirit of Jesus. This is Jesus. And so what I talked about last week to kind of wrap up the recap is when we honor the Holy Spirit's presence, we are honoring Jesus in a very real way. And this is going to be a church family that honors the Word of God because the Word of God is, Jesus is the Word made flesh. It's so important. It's vital. Uh, You might say we're a Bible-based church, but we're Spirit-led. And so we, we honor the Word of God, but we honor the Holy Spirit of God. And it's not an either or, it's a both and. And that's really important. It's really important to honor the Holy Spirit's presence, to honor the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is how he, when he makes himself known, he's manifesting himself. That's not a new age term, that's a Bible term, 1 Corinthians 12, to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given. A revealing of the Spirit is given, and he's talking about spiritual gifts And so it's an equipping of the Holy Spirit, and he wants to speak and move through each one of us. And it's how he makes himself known. And so if we dishonor, well, let me me say this. Let's get into today like this. The title of my message is Honoring the Spirit as Lord. Honoring the Spirit as Lord. Lord, it's really important to honor Jesus in every way, of course. It's also important because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus to honor the Holy Spirit in every way. And here's why. If we dishonor the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're dishonoring the presence of Jesus. So if we dishonor the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're dishonoring the literal presence of Jesus in our midst that's a big deal because listen to me this goes into God being a person you read scripture you get to know his heart what he's like how he responds to different situations and I'm telling you in scripture we see that where Jesus is honored God moves in greater ways where we dishonor Jesus where we dishonor God And therefore, where we dishonor the Holy Spirit, which is where we're going today, we limit God's movement on earth. Now, how many of you would say, we need to see God move in greater ways on this planet? We need to see God move in greater ways in individuals' lives. That's what it means to bring the kingdom. How many of you would say, we need to see a move of God? Wow, I need to preach a lot more on that because only about half the hands went up, right? Does every person in America and across the world need saved? How many of you agree with me on that? Okay, all right. 
That's a move of God when someone gets saved. How many of you say we need to see more of a move of God? Absolutely. We would all say that. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God desires that all people are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's God's desire, which means that's his will. So do we have a God problem or do we have a faith problem? Do we have a God problem or do we have a people problem? Do we have a God problem or do we have an obedience problem? Perhaps what's holding God back is not God, it's us. When we dishonor God, we limit what he can do. Why? Because God honors our free will. Because God's not looking for robots, he's looking for lovers. Because God created the earth, it's his and the fullness thereof, but he gave it to humanity, to mankind, to rule and reign over. And so on earth, God primarily works through people, except in his great compassion when he sees we're screwing up so bad, it's all going to go to whatever bad word you want to fill in there, you know. That uh, then he goes, okay, by my sovereign grace, I'm going to get involved now. <laughs> I'm going to override humanity's will. But by and large, he works through our free will. And so that's why scripture says that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to, in Ephesians, to find out what pleases the Lord, to seek him and his kingdom first. Because when we as believers, even when our sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven, when we yield to him, when we say, okay, Lord, not my will, yours be done, we're yielding to him. We're saying, I don't want what I want, I want what you want. He goes, okay. And he moves in greater ways. So our yieldedness, if you're taking notes, write this down. Our yieldedness to God is what demonstrates our love for God. If you get saved, you're going to heaven, and then you just blaze through the rest of your life like, thanks, God, got it from here, going to live a good life. And you never pray, you never yield to him, you never go, how do you want to use me? You don't, you don't seek him and his kingdom first. Then that would demonstrate that you're really, you really don't love God all that much. Jesus said to love God is to obey his commands. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow that's what love is. It's like a marriage. I'm not going to live for what I want. I'm going to yield to what you want. So our yieldedness to God demonstrates our love for God. And so when we yield to him, when we honor him in greater ways, he moves in greater ways. When we give him permission, he comes and he moves. That's why that first song we sing today is so important. God, we make space for you. You do what you want to do today. <laughs> Let me show it to you in scripture, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. By the way, John Bevere has a phenomenal book on this called Honor's Reward. And we have all of our leaders and uh, staff and leadership uh, read this book because it's so essential. But it says this, Mark 6, 1 through 6, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? I read one account that said Nazareth at the time of Jesus was like 600 people. I grew up close to Russellville, one stoplight, one gas, light, one gas station town, right? About 600 people. So picture that in your mind. 
That's where he grew. These people know him extremely well. And it says this, and they took offense at him. Why? He left a carpenter. He's gone for a while. He comes back and all of a sudden he's claiming to be a rabbi. He's doing miracles. He's got followers. And they're like, they're basically saying, who does he think he is? You got to go through years of training to do that stuff. Where'd he get all this stuff? And they take offense at him. Listen to what it says. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. And listen to verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Verse 6. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, let's go back to verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, Matthew's account says he did not do many miracles there. Well, did he did not or he could not? It's both. Because if you did not because you could not, then you did not, right? (laughs) So it's both. These are complementary accounts. But I looked up the word here because I wanted to be real sure in the book of Mark in the original Greek. And that word for could not, it cannot be traded, it cannot be translated he just didn't want to. He, he chose not to. It means he could not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Because of their unbelief. Because they thought they knew who he was and who they thought he was was not really who he was. So they didn't value, they didn't honor his presence They didn't realize this is the God who created us. This is the God who spoke the word of Moses that we claim to cherish so much. This is the God who spoke the Bible that we claim to cherish so much. He's standing here in our midst, but we don't believe it's really him. So we don't value his presence. To honor is to place value. So we don't honor his presence. Where there's unbelief, where there's a lack of honor... You often see offense. Now we're offended that he's claiming to do things and to be things that we don't believe he is. Unbelief, offense, dishonor. And the result is it limits what Jesus can do. Now again, is he God in the flesh, all powerful? Yeah. So why could he not? Why is it he could not? Because most of what God does on, in our life and in the way he works with humanity, this is getting to know God's heart. See, we're look, everybody looks for rules. This is why you have Calvinism, you have Arminianism, and you're right, we're right. We draw lines and we're like, we shoot arrows at each other. Why? Because we're trying to make God into a robot. He's like, I'm a person. Don't look for the, the hard line, this is how it works. Look for God's heart. What's his heart here? And there's scriptures. I've given to earth to mankind. Fill the earth and subdue it. He works through. Is he all powerful? Absolutely. Could he do whatever he wants, whenever he wants? Absolutely. He chooses not to. He, why? He's looking for lovers, not robots. He's not going to override our free will. So most of what God does in, in, in our lives is, listen to me, by grace, through faith. There's God's part. There's our part. By grace, it's all by grace, really, because if God didn't initiate, if, if Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead, 
We, we got no hope. There's nothing we can do. We're not going to build a tower to heaven or come up with secular humanism. We don't need God. We can fix all our problems ourselves. Good luck with that. And I don't believe in luck. You know what I'm saying? It ain't going to work. And, and humanity's tried it over and over again, generation after generation. It just fails again. It just fails again. It just gets worse and worse. Everything he does, by grace, listen, through faith. Salvation, by grace, God's part, through faith, our part. Through faith, you got to receive it. You got to choose to want what he's done for you. He's already done everything necessary. That's for for, for everything. (laughs) That's why he ascended and he sits at the father's right hand. He sits on a throne and he just waits for, for his enemies to be made a footstool at his feet. Why, why is he sitting? Why is he sitting? He's done everything he needs to do now. The Otis is all on us now to respond by faith. And when we do, boom, it unleashes more of his presence, more of his glory, more salvation, more signs, wonders, more miracles, more healing, more deliverance, more freedom. By grace through faith, salvation. Most of the healings, the vast majority of healings, except at least one, maybe two that Jesus did, were by grace through faith. Because it's by grace, because if he could choose not to, but he did. But through faith, almost all the healings of Jesus were people seeking him out and asking. There's the one story where he heals the man by the pool of Bethesda, I think it is. Bethesda, Salome, always get them mixed up. But he's there for 38 years, and Jesus walks up, and he goes, do you want to get well? And the guy tells him a big, long, convoluted story, and he goes, pick up your mat and walk. And he just, he goes, I'll take that as a yes, and he just heals him. The guy didn't find Jesus. He didn't come asking. He probably couldn't come asking because he couldn't walk. But Jesus went up to him and sovereignly chose to heal him out of nowhere. And God does that sometimes because he's just good, and he can. But by and large, looking at principles, looking at God's heart, he waits for us to respond to who he is. He works by grace through faith. The vast majority of the healings by grace through faith. How many times, go study all the healings of Jesus. How many times did he say, go, your faith has made you well. Your faith, because you asked, because you believed I could, because you received who I am, because you honored who I am. All these people who asked honored, oh, we know who you are. Oh, we believe you can do it. Almost everything God does is by grace through faith because he's looking for lovers, not for robots. This is his heart. God's not a machine. He's a person. But this is his heart. These are the principles he's laying out in scripture. And where Jesus is dishonored, it limits what he can do. If you're an individual and you hear the gospel that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son to die for you on a cross, and he rose again to overcome sin and death, and all you have to do is respond, and you hear that and go, eh, don't buy it, and you dishonor Jesus and what he did on the cross, does that limit what his salvation can do in your life? Oh, you better believe it. So where we dishonor the gospel, where we dishonor the word of God, we're dishonoring the person of God. But I'm telling you, because of the focus of this series is learning about the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, where we dishonor the Holy Spirit's presence. When we don't value the Holy Spirit's presence, when we don't value prayer, when we don't value the gifts, 
when we dishonor tongues and prophecy and healing and deliverance and all the things that the Holy Spirit does in our midst, we will limit what Jesus is able to do in our midst and in our generation. And so we want to be a church family that honors the Holy Spirit like we honor the word of God. Because here's the truth, as I talked about last week a little bit. If we dishonor the Holy Spirit, we are, we are actually dishonoring the word of God. Why? Because listen to what the word says about the Holy Spirit and how we should pursue the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, eagerly desire all the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. How can you test them unless you know them, or unless you share them? 1 Corinthians 14.39, do not forbid speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.5, the NLT version, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So if we are actually people who value and honor the word of God, what the Bible actually tells us to do, to pursue the gifts of the spirit, pursue the person of the spirit, the presence of the spirit, the manifestation, the expression of the spirit. If we value the word of God fully, we will value those things. We will not treat them with contempt or dishonor them by not pursuing pursuing spiritual gifts, or by saying things like, you know, prophecy's not really for today. It can't be because prophecy would be adding to Scripture. Wrong! They believed in prophecy back then by the common folk, the lay people. But it wasn't canonized Scripture, was it? Isn't that interesting? Because prophecy, by and large, unpacks God's heart. It reveals His heart behind what's written in scripture or it takes a big broad sweeping scripture like I know the plans I have for you and you prophesy oh I'm discerning the spirit is saying that the plans God has for your life is this 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 and this and you got to test it up so don't just just don't take one man's prophetic word and run with it no it says test it but man, when you test it and you go, and, and then you have a, a host of prophets in your life, all, I had a dream and I had a word and I had this, and it's all lining up. This is God's plan for my life. And you have confidence to move forward. And you go, wow, God is real and he's really speaking to us. Wow. And then it goes, well, I, and then you go, I want to hear God like that. And it makes you hungry to have a very real relationship where you hear his voice, where you commune with him. That's what the gifts are for. The experience of God, the experience of the presence, to make it manifest so that we know that we know that the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. (laughs) That there's a God. By the Holy Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. Wow. And if we're not experiencing these things, and if you're here today going, I've never experienced any of that, that's okay. But this is God's intention. And it is a journey where you grow in these things. And so if you're, if you're over here going, well, I haven't experienced any of that, that's all right. Keep walking. Keep seeking. The Bible tells you to seek it. Pursue it. Eagerly desire it. Keep, keep staying in a church family that's going after it. Go to special events. Go to conferences. Go to other things where people are teaching on it, where you're learning, where you get around people. You want to learn how to pray? Get around people who pray. You want to you receive speaking in tongues? Get around people who are speaking in tongues. 
You want to get around, you want to learn how to hear God's voice? Get around people who talk about hearing God's voice all the time. This is what we're meant to be experiencing. And so um, we're not going to devalue the things of the Spirit like some, some modern churches or people who say uh, that those things aren't for today. That, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. Um, or as I've recently been uh, accused of, you're teaching people to rely more on experience than Scripture. You value script, or experience more than Scripture. No, I do not. You test your experiences with Scripture. But when Scripture says, oh, yeah, those are experiences of God, yeah, <laughs> then you rejoice. I'm teaching you to obey Scripture, not just read it, live it. Experience it. To seek God for these experiences that Scripture validates, and then when you have those experiences, it only confirms the validity of Scripture. It's like a double witness. It's like, oh, God is really, 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 really real. And you get so hungry for him. And you want to spend every day with him and talk to him every day. Get in your Bible every day. Hear from him every day. It's amazing. But when in your pride you create a theology uh, to affirm your lack of experience, to explain your lack of experience, you get into trouble. And so we want to be a church that in humility obeys Scripture and seeks God for everything the Spirit has to offer. Because to dishonor Jesus limits his movement in our lives. So to dishonor the Spirit limits the movement of Jesus in our lives. Which brings me to the second main Scripture I want to look at today. 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. One of my favorite Scriptures here recently. It says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Listen to this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now, Jesus, he's the Spirit. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Listen, he repeats it, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Do you catch what he's drilling home, drilling down on here? It's the verse from Acts 16, 7. The spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go into this region over here. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he's going, hey, listen, the Lord Jesus, he's the spirit. The Messiah that, that the Pharisees and the, the Old Testament scriptures are all saying is coming. That Messiah is Jesus. He's the Lord. He's not here anymore in the flesh. He's the spirit. He's writing to the Corinthian church. You're not going to find a more charismatic church, a Holy Spirit filled church than the Corinthian church in scripture. And so Paul's taking their experience and going, you know how y'all like to speak in tongues and have dreams and visions and experience all these wild supernatural things? Yeah. You know that Holy Spirit? <laughs> That's the Lord. That's Jesus. The Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, or another way you could translate that, where the spirit is Lord where you value him and honor him as Lord. Oh, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate his glory. We're being transformed with ever increasing glory by the Lord, you know, Jesus, who is the spirit. Are you getting the point Paul is making here? 
And I love this scripture and I love talking about the freedom of God. And this week I was very humbled and I was just like, Lord, I, I know what I think the freedom of God is and I, it's many, multifaceted and I love it. And, but I don't want to read into this text because I felt drawn to this text. And when I read it, I was like, oh my goodness, he's just drilling home this point. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. I'm like, wow, look at that. But I was like, Lord, I don't want to read into this and just preach on freedom and all. Like, Lord, sh- show me your heart in this passage. Now, one of the number one rules of Bible translation or, or interpretation, rather, hermeneutics 101, is the context. Context is king. Context is king. So don't just cherry pick these verses and be like, we're free in Jesus, woo, and just go live however you want, right? No, no, no. What's Paul really saying here? What's the context of this passage? Well, you read out starting in chapter 3, and he's, he starts talking about letters of recommendation. He's like, we don't need letters of recommendation because you, listen to what he says up towards the beginning. He says, you are our letter written on our hearts, known by everyone, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. People would go out and deceive churches and be like, oh, Paul sent me. Yeah, take up an offering and I'll preach a little bit. Yeah, make stuff up, get an offering, leave. People were doing that. And so if Paul really sent somebody, he would write a letter of recommendation, be like, hey, this is me, Paul, writing with my own hand. And these people are from me, so listen to them. Okay, we're really, and yes, we really sent them to take up an offering. So it's, it's all legit, right? Paul's, this church came to faith in Jesus through Paul. They know Paul. He's like, I don't need that from you. You want to know what my letter of recommendation is? It's not written with a hand or with ink. It's written on your heart. It's the presence and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because this church was so filled with the Spirit and they got into excesses, and there are excesses, and you can go way off the deep end, and they were, and he had to rein them back a little bit. But he's referencing their very real experiences going, hey, listen, that Holy Spirit, that's my letter. Because when those false guys preach, Spirit doesn't do anything, does he? Why? Because they're not really from God, right? When I preach, oh, y'all got saved, y'all got baptized twice in water and in spirit, Y'all spoke in tongues, signs, wonders, and miracles broke out. Yeah, that's my letter of recommendation where he writes elsewhere that, that some have the form of godliness but deny the power. He's like, I resolved to know nothing when I was among you except the cross of Christ and him crucified. That, that he, when he said, I, when I preach, I, I relied on God's power, a demonstration of God's power. That confirms that I'm sent from God. And in that context, Listen to what he says next, a few verses later in the chapter, starting in verse 7. He said, now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, he's talking about the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, if that came with glory, and I want to push pause and go, there's a lot you could talk about when you talk about the glory of God. You could talk about his fame and renown, how awesome he is. That's his glory, his fame. How amazing he is. That's his glory. You could talk about the manifest glory, the, 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 just how, if he were in this room, he would be awesome to look at, right? There's many different aspects of God's glory. The fruit of Jesus in our lives is part of God's glory. So what kind of glory? And when I read this, I was like, oh my dear goodness. Context is king. Bible hermeneutics 101. Apples to apples comparison. Listen to what he says. If the Old Testament law 
which is the covenant that brought death, engraved in letters of stone, came with glory. What kind of glory, Paul? So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory though it was, listen to the question he asked, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Moses' face shone with the glory of God. He was in the manifest presence of God. He heard an audible voice, voice in the pillar of the fire and cloud. He received the Ten Commandments carved out by God himself. And just from being with God face to face, so to speak, although he didn't see the actual face of God or he would have died, right? But he's in the manifest presence of the glory of God. And when he came down the mountain, he's like, I heard a voice. I got these stones. Oh my goodness, what in the world? And he didn't even realize, and people were like, ooh, your face is glowing, you know? Not like when you're pregnant, ladies, and somebody goes, you're just glowing. You're so happy that you're pregnant. No, like literal light emanating from his face. So let's reread that with apples to apples comparison. Isn't it interesting what happens to the Bible when you take off the lens of your secular, humanistic, atheistic culture and when somebody goes, hey, how's that water feeling? And you're like, what's water? Ooh, atheism. Ooh, I've been breathing it in my whole life. Take it off. What's he talking about here? If the Old Testament law came with a physical manifestation, weird supernatural thing of glory on Moses, transitory passing away, though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more Glorious. What's that mean? I'm starting to get a little nervous. I'm starting to believe God might show up supernaturally, and that's making my secular atheistic human heart a little nervous in this room. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious, now has no glory. Now, in comparison with the surpassing glory. He's like, what happened to Moses is nothing now compared to what the Holy Spirit is doing through the new covenant, through the gospel. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which will last? Therefore, in light of this, therefore, listen, what's our response? Since we have such a hope, hope of what? Greater glory. And yes, it's ultimately talking about heaven. But he's not just talking about heaven. And I'm going to show that he's actually talking about the glory here on earth before we get to heaven. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. Therefore, since we have such a hope of this glory of God, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. What's he talking about? Moses' face was shiny with radiating light, and people were freaked out like, whoa, that's a little too much for us. And he goes, all right, I'll cover it up. I'll cover up the glory 
because God touched me, but he didn't touch you yet. So you're a little freaked out by the glory. What you don't realize is the glory is available for you. But because you don't realize that rather than leading you into what's available to you, I'll just cover it up and I'll stay on the mountain. And God said, I want a kingdom of priests. And he spoke to all of them. They all heard his audible voice. But then the people said, Moses, we don't want to hear from God anymore. You talk to us. If he talks to us, we'll die, which was a lie they believed. God wanted to talk to all of them. He wanted a kingdom of priests. And Moses said, okay. And God said, okay. So he kept talking to Moses. And Moses had the glory. But it was weird now. It's awkward now. So I'll just cover it up. Paul says, we don't do that. We're very bold. We're not like Moses. We're not going to cover up the glory of what? Of the Holy Spirit. Why? He says, listen, their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. They don't believe God is so supernatural. He could have come in the flesh. They don't believe Jesus did what he did. They don't believe in this Holy Spirit. You don't think the Pharisees thought the Holy Spirit was weird? Pharisees weren't speaking in tongues. Pharisees were not seeing miracles, healing people. They weren't seeing signs and wonders. Go read Galatians. Who's bewitched you? Now you're following another gospel. What gospel? These were what I would call Messianic Christians who were trying to cut them off from the freedom of Jesus and get them back to the Old Testament law. These false teachers, Paul called them, they were, it's not that they didn't believe, they believed in, yeah, okay, Jesus is the Messiah, that's great, but you need to get back to the Old Testament law. Get back to that law. Get back to that word only. Forget about the, the holy, ugh, the weirdness, yeah, the Holy Spirit stuff. Eh, get back to the scriptures, I want you to hear me. I'm not devaluing the scriptures, but the scriptures are like half, right? The other half is the fullness, the presence, the manifestation of the glory. When I was powerfully touched back in March, literally baptized in the spirit, just woo. God was speaking to me a lot, and it, and it wasn't just to me. It was through me, and I wasn't even thinking thoughts. Stuff was flying out of my mouth a lot for about 24 to 48 hours. That never happened to me before. Most of the time when I get prophetic words, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I agree with that, so I'll say it. This was like, <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> I, got, I actually got a revelation, a lot of revelation, through hearing what I was saying. That was wild. And one of those revelations was, the re- I was like yelling out, saying what was, why God does this. The reason God chose the gifts, the baptism of the Spirit and the gifts, is so, and, and wanting his people to receive them and operate in them and, and building his church through them. That's what Ephesians says. As we each do our work, each part does its work using the gifts he's given, spiritual gifts. It's because he wants childlike faith. Because he did it this way to keep his church from becoming Pharisees. And many churches already, they discount the gifts. Word only, there's no Holy Spirit experiences. 
And then what happens? Their religion becomes dry, legalistic. Christians, legalistic. Oh, that ain't the right kind of music. And oh, only this Bible translation. And oh, oh, you better wear the right clothes. And burp, 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 burp. And God showed me when he was lighting me up with an experience that the Bible says happens to people who believe in him. I want you to stay humble. I've been speaking in tongues a lot since March, and I love it, and it's very edifying, and it's powerful, and I cherish the gift. But it is weird. (laughs) You know? It is by faith. And I know when I do it, I just know it's God. And I feel feelings of greater devotion of Jesus. The spirit of intercession comes on me, and I want to pray. In English. <laughs> and, and the spirit of prophecy comes on me. And I write down things. God is what God's doing in the earth. Right? <sighs> it's a powerful gift. I cherish it. But it is not natural. And I know I've been in the presence of some people. And some words slip out. Not even thinking about it. And I'm like, well, you don't understand that I know what this is, but you don't. And then you're going to think I'm weird, so I'm going to, okay, all right. That's not part of your water, so you're breathing other water. Okay, all right. It's by faith. He says, even to this day when Moses has read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the Lord who is the Spirit, remember, as he's going to say here in a minute. Whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Holy Spirit of Jesus. The veil is taken away. Oh, you're devaluing the gospel, the word of... No, I'm not. You can't turn to the Holy Spirit without the gospel. The gospel is essential. It's the foundation. You can't have the Holy Spirit without the cross. You can't have the Holy Spirit without the resurrection. But when anyone turns to the Lord in faith for salvation, guess what's coming next? The fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you will receive it. The veil's taken away. Listen to what he says. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Remember what I said? It could also be rendered. And where the Spirit is Lord. That's really what he's saying. Is the Spirit Lord? Oh, Absolutely. But if you don't honor him as Lord, you're living in rebellion and dishonor. It will limit. You will not experience the fullness of the freedom God has for you. But when you honor the Spirit as Lord, when you yield not just to the rules in the Word of God, when obedience becomes not just going, okay, don't commit sexual immorality and do serve in the church. Okay, now what? But when you're daily going, now what, Spirit? And he goes, go to Kroger and share your faith with the first person you see. And you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) But you do it, and cool stuff happens. People come to faith, and you're like, the Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord. Isn't this amazing? God is real. Only God could know that. God is real. And it it gives you hunger for more of the word because you're like the word is real and you want to read it even more to know him more oh it's a both and it's not an either or let's stop trying to divide word from spirit it's a both and not an either or it's the word and the spirit 
Now, listen to this. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, how glorious Jesus is, all that he's purchased for us, our future in heaven, his redemption that he's doing now on earth through the lives of people. As we consider all of God's glory, wow, we who with, listen, not everybody, but we who with unveiled faces are contemplating his glory, listen to what happens to us. We're being transformed into his image, the image of Jesus, with ever-increasing glory, which comes, where does the ever-increasing glory come from? The Lord Jesus, who is the Spirit, he says. What's Moses' glory? The light from his face faded. Then you go back in the presence, it'd be back. It's like, it like a night, it's like glow in the dark. You know, you charge it up in the light, and then you turn the lights off. It's like, it's bright, and then it gets faded, and you're like, turn the light back on. Okay, it's bright, woo! Like, some of y'all never play with glow in the dark, and it really shows right now. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> glory of the Holy Spirit's not like that. Glory of the Holy Spirit's not like that. It's ever increasing. Glory to glory. Glory to glory and faith to faith is not like lily pads, like, oh, glory. Oh, faith. Almost, almost fell off there. No, it's upward. It's like glory, and you're at a, you're down here, and you're like glory, woo! I'm gonna glory. No, I'm not gonna do that. But you know what I'm saying? That would be a miracle if I would have made it up there. But I'm not gonna test the Lord. All right. <laughs> There's a chair over there. Someone says, "Okay, you get the point." I mean, I'm just saying I don't want to drive it home, beat a dead horse. But <laughs> ever increasing glory, ever increasing glory. If I were to ask you, everyone in this room, who wants ever-increasing glory of God in their life? Now, let a few things that are part of that. First of all, you're going to be in heaven. But ever-increasing glory, I think, would mean that the, every day that goes by, every moment that goes by, you're more and more sure of that fact. So death truly loses, all fear of death loses its holding life completely. With every second that passes, you're just more and more like, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. There's nothing that can separate. Woo! Ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing faith. The fruit of the Spirit is part of the glory of God in your life. So, so, so ever-increasing love, peace, and joy. There's other fruits. Just those right there. How many would say, I'm in forever increase? It, I would never diminish in love. I would only grow in. I would never diminish in joy. I'd only grow in. I'd never diminish in peace. I'd only grow in it. Ever-increasing glory of God. More and more people coming to faith. You know, when I was young, I led a few people to the Lord, but I don't know now. No, I, I did. And then and I led more and more and more and more and more. Till the day I go home to be with Jesus. Ever increasing glory. My kids come to know Jesus more and more and more. They love Jesus more and more and more. Serve him more and more and more and more. People coming to faith through them more and more and more and more. Ever increasing glory. And yes, the gifts of the Spirit. More power, more signs, more wonders, more miracles, more gifts of the Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but I received some when I was young, and I got a few more a few months ago that I hadn't had yet. And they're still with me. They're a gift. I can use it now. That's awesome. I knew I had a teaching gift when I was like 21. I knew that. I was like, whoa, this is God. Whoa, this ain't me. That's awesome. I didn't speak in tongues yet. That was recent. There's more. There's more. That's why he says, eagerly desire, eagerly pursue the gifts. You get a few, good, use them. He's watching and waiting to see if you use them. Only let us live up to what we've attained. Why would he give you more if you're not using what you have? But when you're using what you have, you're like, I want more, Lord. He's like, okay. (laughs) 
ever-increasing glory. Everything I just mentioned, everything I just mentioned, how many of you would say, yeah, I'm in for that. I want that. I want that. I want ever-increasing glory of God in my life till the day I go to heaven. And he's talking about here now. We're being transformed. We're being trans. Our whole lives are being transformed. Every facet, our inward character, our outward experiences with ever-increasing glory. So how do you experience the ever-increasing glory, by the way, which comes from the Lord, by the way, who is the Spirit of God? It stands to reason if you dishonor the Spirit of God, you won't experience ever-increasing glory, doesn't it? But he actually tells us, that's just a logical conclusion, he actually tells us the key to ever-increasing glory right here in this text. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate his glory. Because when we contemplate it, we want it more. When we contemplate it, we want him more. So we seek him more. So we experience more. So we abide more. So we bear more fruit. And when we bear more fruit, we go, that was cool. Love more fruit. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it more. And we abide in him and he abides in us for the rest of our days, ever increasing glory. We all who contemplate his glory, but how, and the how is so important, who with unveiled faces. Stop being ashamed of Jesus. You want to experience ever increasing glory? I don't care what people think. I want all of you. I'm removing the veil. This is prophecy right now. There's a lot of you in this room. Your faces are so radiant with the glory of God. But the people in your workplace don't know. Because you're not sure what they'll think. And because of your insecurity. And when you look in the mirror, you don't see the light of God emanating from your eyes. You see the lack of makeup and it discourages you. You see that you're getting older and you get discouraged about worldly things. And charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And you're to be praised. And your face is glorious. You ra- your life is glorious, but people don't know because you keep the veil on. Because you're embarrassed. Because you're not sure what they'll think if they knew you went to church. Especially that church. And you're like, you know how our church has been changing? Like, we like it. But, like, if we actually, people knew, like, with the Holy Spirit, they don't get the Holy Spirit. So if they knew what he was doing, and, like, when, if the pastor speaks in tongues again, like, I felt something. It was cool. But my friends, and I don't know about my friends, so I'm going to, like, I love our church, but I'm going to stop telling people about it. And it's, like, it's just for me now, I guess. That's the veil. There's many ways you could interpret this, but in the context of the Lord who is the Spirit, who is the Lord who is the Spirit, and the ever-increasing glory comes from Him. And the best apples-to-apples translation from context of Scripture, a physical manifestation of the glory, I think it's time to stop being embarrassed of spiritual gifts. I think it's time for you to be confident in what you know scripture says and in the experience of it. So when an unbelieving friend who happens to be a Christian, (laughs) 
goes, well, I heard your pastor spoke in tongues one time. I heard you all tongue talking church. Handle snakes too. We don't, by the way. I do handle snakes. I stomp their heads. That's what I do. That's how I handle them. I mean that spiritually and physically. But when they ask, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we do. Have you ever done it? It's really awesome. (laughs) Here's actually what it is. Here's what it means. Here's how it edifies me. And actually, when the Lord tells me to do it over people, awesome things. (laughs) People get delivered like through the spirit. I don't even know what I'm saying. And they get set free from addiction. (laughs) It's crazy. I'll talk about that next week. (laughs) Come back. I'd much rather just be obedient to the Spirit and have Him move in power. And the people go, God is real. And they walk away from that power encounter going, God is amazing. Then it all depends on how brilliantly I can speak a sermon about Scripture. And they go, that guy's amazing. Do you hear how he talked about the Bible? And I'm just telling you, that's part of what the gifts are for. So people go, God is real. Yes, he is. And sometimes people get confused, like Simon the sorcerer. and Well, give me that power, and you, you're awesome, and I'm going to lift you up because I'm going to make Paul Zeus or, or, or Hermes or whatever, you know, the Greek gods, because you do have power. And he goes, no. It's the power of Jesus. It's available to you. It's for all of us. Don't add up. No, 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 no. You just misunderstand the power. That's just part of his presence. And by the way, we don't seek the power. We seek the presence. And if you seek his presence, for his presence, for him, power, gifts, all the things are just part of that. He'll pour it out. That's what we're about. We're not about seeking it for the gift's sake or for the experience's sake. We're about seeking him. But when you seek him, he shows up. When you seek him for him, when you let go of your control, when you let go of your, your lens, your secular humanistic, your atheistic lens of reading scripture, and you go, okay, Lord, I want the fullness. He goes, oh, finally, I've been waiting so that I didn't offend you by my fullness and cause you to go off and speak against me the rest of your life in the name of me. And he's gracious. He builds faith until you're ready. But some of you are probably ready today to receive the fullness and that's what this series is about. I didn't realize it till last week. He's like, you're preparing them. You're opening the door so the king of glory can enter in, really enter in, for real, supernaturally. And we all go, there were, I don't know about you, but I was on this stage during worship. I was like, he's here. I'm getting weak in the knees. I love Jesus. Maybe you weren't experiencing that. But the more we honor his presence, the more he's going to make himself known. And we're going to have weeks where we're all going, he's here. (laughs) For real. (laughs) So it's time to unveil our faces. And uh, I'm going to humble myself and do that as we close. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for you. Man, I still went over. It's like Murphy's Law of Preaching. You give me more time, I use more time. 
So, and I just want to humbly tell you prophetically, the Lord told me a few, week, few weeks ago now, three or four weeks ago, that he wanted me to pray in tongues over the church. I was like, okay, I'll do that. It's a little vulnerable. It is a private prayer language between me and God. So I feel a little bit like I'm undressing up here before you. And we got close. We got into last week. And he's like, yeah, and I want you to do it the next three weeks. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm not doing this to show off. I'm doing it because he said to. This is my prayer language. In my heart, in my spirit, I'm going to intercede. I'm just going to let the spirit do what he does. I'm interceding for you. And as I do, um, he's going to move. The Spirit is interceding through me for you. Some of you are going to be touched by the Lord because he's picking you out today. Um, it's not in English. It's, he's not going to say your name in English. He might say your name in your heart. I have done this before over individuals, and they hear every word in English in there. They hear every word in English. We'll just leave it at that. And they're like, God told me this, 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 and this. And I'm like, Good. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that's awesome. And so I'll invite our ministry team up. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, or maybe if God's highlighting you as I'm praying for you, come up and get prayer. Let them bless what God's doing in you. Could be physical healing. Could be a a spiritual issue you're having, emotional, mental pain, torment, whatever. Depression, anxiety, all those types of things. Suicidal tendencies, thoughts. Could be stuff like that. If you just want prayer, come on up. And you can come while I'm praying, by the way. Just say, let me out of here. Um, come up and pray. I'm going I'm to pray and intercede over you. By the way, next week, I plan to teach on speaking in tongues and what it is and the gift and, and um, the different types and, and all that. A comprehensive teaching. Um, so come back for that. Um, and, pro- and I'm going to demonstrate again, I guess, because he told me to. So, um, so yeah, let's pray. Shamonono, Thank you, Jesus. I feel like the Lord was saying there's someone here with, with a lung issue and also a liver issue. I don't know if there's someone here with a lung and a liver issue, but I was hearing lung and liver as I was praying right there. So if that's you, come on up. I'd love to pray for you. Jesus, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Father, for moving in our midst. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for the resurrection, and thank you for the gifts of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we honor your presence here today. We value your supernatural presence. We value your gifts. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you today. We honor what you're doing in this place. We love you, Lord.